When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. What a crazy morning we got working here in our studio. Just wrapped up, get up. Great fun, great achievements. Great God, I can't believe what Jessica Mendoza just did. She'll be in our studio in a little while. The big fella D Wood is here. The hashtag crew is ready to go. Let's do it. Here we go. Only one place to start. Okay, we're all just kind of catching our breath here, and we'll dive into this when Jess joins us a little bit later. You had to see it to fully understand what just happened. There's no way I can describe it for you on the radio, but Jessica Mendoza, you know, sometimes we forget D Wood and and I had this experience for many years on the old show with Mike as well, is that the audience becomes so accustomed to you guys in your current roles, like D Wood, you're this big lovable teddy bear and you make these great expressions on your face and you smash helmets with a mallet. And then every now and again, I have to admit, even I fall into the trap of forgetting that what you actually are is a world-class athlete. <laughs> and, and you know, so Jessica Mendoza, I've known her for however many years she's been at ESPN. She couldn't be more delightful. We talk about our kids. We talk about travel. We talk about all these other things. And then every once in a while, you are reminded she is the Babe Ruth of softball. Yes. She is the all-time career leader in hits, average home runs, and slugging, and runs scored. She's literally the greatest player that ever lived. And she just proved that to us today. Wow, that was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. And, I mean, she literally smashed the tiny helmet. Like like you said, Greeny, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Like, she killed it. Let's explain to everyone what happened. Because you're listening on the radio now. Maybe you weren't watching Get Up. So, so let's explain what happened. If you've ever seen the show, we do this bit where D. Wood smashes these tiny little football helmets. They're tiny. I, I'm very bad at sizes. Like how, a, how like a ping pong be? ball. I mean, they're like the size of a ping pong ball. And in our pre-show meeting, we have this idea, let's let, let Jessica smash them. Now, normally, when D. Wood smashes them, they're sitting on a table, they're, you know, they're, they're um, still like a golf ball, and he smashes them. And Dan Orlovsky said, let's, have, let's pitch one to Jessica and let her hit it with a bat. And I, I will admit it now. I got up and I said, we cannot do that because, you know, she might miss. That's a tiny little ball, and we're going to have a tiny little thing. She might miss. <laughs> Like, I don't know that you can hit that, hitting a ping pong ball with a baseball bat. That's not an easy thing to do. Being pitched by Dan Orlovsky, not not like someone who knows what the hell they're doing. (laughs) And so I said, we cannot do this. And we walked over there saying we weren't doing it. And then Orlovsky just commandeers the segment. It's like, let's do it. Let's pitch to her. So literally, without any pre-planning, I don't even think she knew we were going to do it. She did not. No. I was producing her segments today, D-Wood. We never at any point discussed this. Wow. We just decided to do it, and Orlovsky pitches her a, 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 a helmet the size of a ping-pong ball, and she's holding a full-size baseball bat, and she smashed it. I mean, she got it 100% clean. I am still in awe of what she just did. Yeah, I mean, it literally went right above my head. I, like, <laughs> I felt it go right above my head, and I'm like, whoa, like, yeah, she is the GOAT. She's, she's the like, GOAT. She's the GOAT. No, literally, literally. 
the go. You, yeah. If Dinorlowski did that a hundred times, she would swing and miss zero times. Yeah. I had, I had no, I did not share the same worry that you had. Okay, good. I'm glad because I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just didn't want to take any chance that it would come out looking bad. She's so nice to play along with our. Oh, stupidity. by the way, she was in heels. What's that? Oh, yeah, she's wearing high heels, and she's right. but she's just the best. Okay, let D. What is here though to talk about football? Let's do that, and then we'll get Jess in here, and we'll do baseball and all the rest of it. D. Wood, let's go through some of the stuff we talked about on the TV show this morning. I'm going to tell you what I think about a couple of things, and let's just—I just want your reaction. Yeah. I do not think the Eagles are utilizing what makes them special enough to be special. That may be really smart. We're only six games into the season. We're a third of a way through what is a marathon. And what I think is possible, and Hembo, of course, is a crazy Eagle fan, so we'll, we'll, we'll have you sort of weigh in on this as well. But what made them so good last year was leaning on the quarterback run game. Yes. And they have abandoned, all but abandoned that this year. And I think what is possible is they've looked at it and said, it's just not worth getting our quarterback hit that much. And as the season goes on, they'll start incorporating it a little more, a little more to when these games start meaning everything in December, January, February, we will see it. But I think that is the reason why this offense has not looked that good. And for that reason, I like Miami on Sunday night. Talk to me, D. Wood. Yeah, I, you know, it, during uh, on Get Up this morning, that was one of, the, one of the key points I made about this Philadelphia Eagles offense was the lack of, the lack of commitment to consistently running the football, particularly with the quarterback. Everything in their offense is based off of that. Like, the, the reason they had so much success last year was because the quarterback is so dynamic. We always talk about in the run game, especially when you have a, a mobile quarterback, math. It's hard. You don't have – it's a math It's a math problem yeah. for defenses. So when you don't run the ball with the quarterback, it actually plays into the defense's hands. And when we look at the Philadelphia Eagles offense, it's not as dynamic – because they're not running Jalen Hurts enough. And I think they got to, they have to get back to that. What do you think, Hembo? I agree largely with what Damian Woody said. I don't think this is like panic time, but in a conference with a couple other loaded teams, the Eagles don't have the luxury of taking a step back and still getting to the Super Bowl like they did yeah. last year. So the RPO game was an enormous part of what made them great last right. year. That was uh, 88 yards per game, a huge percentage <coughs> of the offense. Green, that number is 46. Mm. Wow. This year, I mean, we're talking about the best thing they th- uh, the best thing that they did, and taking away basically half of it. Like the, the math, the problem that you described is exactly right. The Eagles were playing twelve on eleven last year. Right. If you're not asking the defense to do that, and you're asking uh, asking them to play man for man, Jalen Hurts is not a world class passer. It's the reason why he he was a second round pick. It's the reason why he was benched in favor of Tua. He's never going to be you know Tom Brady, Drew Brees from the pocket. Let's take advantage of the things that he's great at. And trust that he can protect himself even so. I'll tell you who else he's not in the pocket, and that's Tua. So Tua and Jalen Hurts, I think, will forever be linked, right? We will always compare one's career to the others because they were at Alabama the same time and, and they shared maybe the most one of the most legendary things that's ever happened in a college football game, which is that Nick Saban changed quarterbacks at halftime in the title game and Tua winds up winning it in overtime with a long touchdown pass to, of all people, Devontae Smith, um, who was a freshman at the time. Tua is so much better. That's my next point. And I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, which is easy for me to do because I'm wrong so often. Tua is so much better than I thought he'd be. I thought he was small. I thought he was going to get jostled around. I thought he'd have trouble seeing over teams. I thought his, athletic, his, 
His athleticism, which looked greater in college than it has in the pros, was sort of um, overrated. And what I have seen from him is a guy who is in total command of one of the more sophisticated offenses in the National Football League right now. And his superpower is, I think, the best superpower to have as a quarterback. It's accuracy. I don't think that's something that can be taught. It can be improved, but it can't be taught. You cannot just make someone into what he is. You just have to have it, and he has it. I think he is great, and I think if he stays healthy, the Dolphins are my pick to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. L- listen, I-, I would say this. There's a, there's a couple of thoughts as it relates to the Miami Dolphins, and particularly Tua. Number one... Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is brilliant. Is a brilliant offensive mind. That's number one. The way he's able to design plays and get his playmakers in positions where they can go out here and make explosive plays is really second to none. Uh, all you got to do is just watch the game. Look at all the motion and the shifts and the eye candy that Mike McDaniel deploys. Like it's seemingly every play to get somebody free. That's number one. Yep. Number two. I think even more importantly is he has empowered Tua. He has what we call breathed life into Tua. Tua's always had the talent. He was always accurate. He was accurate at Alabama. But when you got a guy that truly believes in your talent, truly believes in your skill set, and then designs the offense around what you do best, and you talked about it, Mike, it's accuracy and anticipation. He has – he does that better than anyone else in the National Football League right now. Just go watch the offense. A lot of the times, that ball is coming out before these receivers are even breaking out of their routes. Like, and that's very hard to defend. And so this Miami Dolphins offense is going to be its going to be hard for the Philadelphia Eagles. My only question, I said this and get up, how do you defeat speed? It's with power. It's with physicality. Philadelphia Eagles have a really good front, defensive front. Their secondary is suspect, but their front is ridiculous. They're going to get Jalen Carter. I'm, I'm assuming that Jalen Carter is going to be back this week. Is he back this week? That's the, that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've get read. Jalen Carter back this week. That is a huge add yeah. to that Philadelphia Eagles front. I want to see how Miami deals with that. If Miami deals with that Philadelphia Eagles front, if Mike McDaniel somehow neutralizes that front, then – I'm all. I'm then count me all in on the Miami Dolphins. Greeny and D Wood in our studio with the hashtag crew. Starting stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Uh, l- let's talk a little bit about Baltimore and Detroit this week. Uh, excuse me, Baltimore and uh, and Detroit. Detroit yeah, yeah. This week, which I think is a, an absolutely great game between two teams that I think are flying a little under the radar because of their record. The Ravens, because they've given away two games, people aren't talking about enough. The Lions, because their one loss came early mm-hmm. and uh, San Francisco and Philly were unbeaten, I think those two teams are flying under the radar. But I don't think you'd be far from right if you said the Lions are the best team in the NFC and the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. How do you see it? Uh, listen, you, you could make a case, you could make an argument for, for what you just said. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the one thing, I think the public is slow to come to the realization how good this Lions team is. I think a lot of it is due to the stigma attached to the Lions. Yep. They've been terrible for so long. But anyone who's watched the Lions, even going back to last year, you could see this coming. 
they've been kind of slowly building this thing. And the one thing about the Lions, they can play any style of football. They can get be physical and run the ball. They can spread you out because Jerry Goff is, is playing as, about as good as any quarterback in the National Football League. Their defense is, is finally, you know, playing, I would say, up to part of their offense. And what you're seeing in Detroit is a complete football team, a complete football team mm-hmm. that they're not even ha- they haven't even had all their weapons together, really. Once that happens, this Detroit Lions team is going to be very – very scary. And here's the other thing with the Lions. They could easily be the number one seed this oh, year. Oh, yes. Because they play in a weak division, and their schedule is very favorable, you know, through the rest of the way through. The, the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC could go through Ford Field. It's going <laughs> to. Like, think, like, think about Like, who would have thought that, you know, not that long ago, that the road – through the NFC could go through Ford Field. It's going to. It is going to, to your point. The, the division they play from the AFC is the West. They've already beaten Kansas City. Right. Now they get to play all the bad teams in right. that division. So they got those wins. The Bears, the Vikings, and, um, the, and, Packers. The, and the Packers. Yes. They've already crushed the Packers in their first matchup. They still get to play the Bears twice. They still get to play the Vikings twice. I think they're going to win 14 games. I, I think the Lions are going to finish... 13-4 and four or 14-3, and three, I think they will finish with the best record in the NFC. You know, D, with the, you could argue at least the greatest attribute that an offense has right now in today's game is explosiveness. Yes. And right now, Jared Goff has more explosive pass plays than literally any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. This is now the second consecutive year he's quarterback to top five offense, something mm-hmm. that he did twice more in, in, with the Rams. And so I think because he was discarded and replaced by Matthew Stafford and then they won the Super Bowl, we wrote him off. But he just turned 29 years old, and there's a lot of recent evidence that says, oh yeah, this guy is at minimum a top 10 quarterback. And you said to me on the phone last night, it is high time that the public acknowledged him as such. Well, I mean, listen, you know, everyone talks to, oh, he was thrown in, in, the, in the Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. trade. Let's not forget, this guy was the number one overall pick. So he's not without talent here. Like this dude, like you can't go, you can't be the number one pick without talent. Like the dude has talent. I think the biggest thing is I love the way that they're built. They were built the right way, and their offense, according to Ben Johnson, this dude is going to be a head coach probably next year. He is one of the elite play callers that we have in the National Football League. No question about it. D-Wood, you are the best, big man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the weekend. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Jess Mendoza will make her way in our studio. We'll do some baseball. we got to send Cam on a trip. And at some point this morning, someone needs to be obliterated, and we will be the ones to do it. All that and more coming up. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. 
Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. Here's another Philadelphia one. We're sort of Philly-centric these days, guys. But James Harden had been expected to participate in the Sixers practice yesterday and didn't show up with coach Nick Nurse later saying he had no explanation as to why. Sources tell our Ramona Shelburne that after attending a meeting with the team in New York over the weekend, Harden has been in Houston for the past few days, and the franchise plans to allow him the chance to explain his absence before deciding how to handle any punishment. The star guard has been frustrated for months that his wish to be traded to the Clippers has yet to be granted. Sources telling Woj that, the two teams have talked in recent days, but that a sizable gap remains between them on a potential Harden deal. Philly next plays Friday. Harden had said last week that he could make his preseason debut that night. I will say that there may be no player in all of sports harder to root for or like than James Harden. I am flabbergasted at this. The problem that the NBA has and I saw the commissioner was on with Stephen A. yesterday on first take, and he talked about how he does not want these trade demands and all this stuff to become public, is that the league has been built on the stardom, the star power of its superstars. And thus, the basketball superstar receives more than any of the other athletes in our society. The baseball players may, in some cases, make as much money. But generally speaking, there are no stars like basketball stars in this country because the genius of David Stern realized we've got a very individualized sport. We've got the crowd very close to the court. We've got no helmet. We've got no pads. We've got no nothing. We can see these guys' faces. They're very attractive and appealing and charismatic, and I can build something out of these people. And so he rode Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, and others to a place where they took the NBA to a level of, po of popularity that it had never been before and probably should never have been expected to reach. And one of the things all those guys had in common, Magic, Larry, Michael, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, the list goes on and on. Le I would put LeBron James in this category too, is that while they wanted to be individually great, while they wanted their own teams to win, while they wanted to build their brands and their reputation and their fame and their stardom and their money and all that, all of which is great, 
They also had one other interest, one thing that was important to them, and that is leaving the league in a better place than they found it. Maybe because all of them were old enough to remember a time when it wasn't that. Remember, Kobe Bryant's dad played in the league. Kobe Bryant knows what the league, knew what the league was in the 70s. Basketball was in trouble in the 70s. The NBA Finals were on tape delay into the 80s. Now it is this mega, huge international thing. And you can't be taking that for granted. And no one takes it for granted more than James Harden. He believes the entire league owes him whatever he wants because he's so talented. But the truth is, the story of his career has always been when it mattered most, he doesn't come up big. And the moment things turn a direction he doesn't like, he just wants out. He ate himself out of Houston the first time. He got himself out of Jer- uh, not Jersey, out of Brooklyn. He got himself, and now he's trying to get himself out of Philly. And he's so offended that they haven't traded him for the, who would want him? Why on earth do you, if you're the Clippers, what do you want with him? Just because he wants to be there? So I, I find this extremely frustrating. And whatever it is that Daryl Morey said to him, look, if they had some kind of promise that is now not being kept, I understand Harden being hurt by that or being angry or whatever the case may be. But is there no professionalism involved in this at all? Does the league not matter to you beyond yourself at all? That's what I feel like I'm seeing here. So those are my thoughts. Hembo, as a Philadelphian, what are yours? Yeah, that was well said. I mean, James Harden, as our old buddy Ryan Rosillo likes to say on his show, is the greatest quitter to ever do it. <laughs> He's the only person, at least of this magnitude, certainly, that has now quit on, literally quit on three different teams he's played on. He's done so differently and creatively. Uh, there's obviously that legendary game in Houston that effectively necessitated the trade to Brooklyn when he legendarily did not try against Sacramento. The whole Brooklyn experiment is something that I think Kevin Durant will take with him to the grave, regretfully. And then while I was thrilled that that Daryl Morey was able to get some value for Ben Simmons, and while I would still, in hindsight, have made that trade, and while the 76ers nearly reached the conference finals last year, in large part because of James Harden, I and the rest of the city are completely done with him. Obviously. The the way that he has conducted himself, um, well, since the end of the season, is a complete and utter joke. First of all, he picked up his option. It's not as, like, if he wanted to become a free agent, he could have. He literally just could have become a free agent. But there is, there is no player in sports that has, has mismanaged their own career and thus their own legacy more or worse than James Harden, who is 25th all-time in NBA history in scoring. Like, this is a player who should be remembered as one of the all-time greats. He's not going to be remembered fondly at all, and he only has himself to blame. Now, the only part of that that I will give him the benefit of the doubt on is I have to believe that the picking up of the option was done in concert with Maury telling him that they would facilitate a trade where he wanted to go, and he was going to get more money by picking it up than by becoming a free agent, because who the hell is going to pay him all of that? I'm not here for it, because there has been no greater advocate of and for James Harden than Daryl Morey. Oh, Daryl Morey put James Harden in the Hall of Fame. And, and, and James Harden, in part, put Daryl Morey in the Hall of Fame. But both of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame someday, in part because of you each other. You think Daryl Morey's going to the Hall of He's Fame? He's a Hall of Fame executive. He changed the sport forever. Is that a reason you put someone in the Hall of Fame? Or do you do... I mean, he, for what it's worth, his teams have never won anything. His I don't team, even think his teams have ever been to the final. By won anything, you mean that specifically. But he built great teams in Houston. They just happened to go up against a dynasty. And if Chris Paul no, didn't tweak a leg, no, they no, might no. have You don't have to tell me that. I know that. But okay. what I'm saying is I don't... Well, whatever. We've gotten very sidetracked. Whether Dal Moore is going to the Hall of Fame or not <laughs> is not the topic of conversation here. No, it's frustrating beyond words. And, and so that's when I said someone needs to be obliterated... 
we're just the ones to obliterate him. I just can't deal with it anymore. And, and, and you know what? If you watch that series against Boston last year, he won them two games. He won them two games. And I really allowed myself, I am such an overreactor. I mean, I'm so bad at this because I just fell into the trap. I was like, oh, he's got it now. He's got it. He's figured it out. And then game six, when they needed him, game seven, when they needed anything, gone. Gone. Just disappeared completely. They wind up giving away a series. They absolutely had a chance to win. They would have had a real good path to the finals, which the Sixers haven't been in since I was, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Iverson got them there once. But maybe to winning a championship, which they haven't done since I was a kid with Dr. J and Moses Malone. So that was, I find that very frustrating and and people ask me you know what do you think will happen with my honest answer is i don't know i don't know why anyone cares who why do you want him if you're the clippers why are you dying to get him you're not dying to get him i mean i I suppose you're dying to get him so that you can just sell a couple more tickets as you're building your new stadium i I don't know if anyone's buying tickets though to see james harden candidate i mean at least he'll play i mean yes the other two guys won't is what you're saying yes if you put paul george Kawhi leonard and james harden on the same team Two of them won't play, and the third one will be upset about it in 10 minutes. Uh, And that is our Progressive NBA Snapshot, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. All right, bring Jess in here. Um, I opened the show by talking about this this morning. I, I really, I don't say this often. I am in awe of something that I saw this morning, and I have been inundated with messages about it. Hembo was telling me that this should have been expected. But as Jess makes her way in here, I'm going to tell you something you don't know. So Jessica Mendoza is now in our studio, and we're going to talk baseball. But I opened the show by saying, because she's so much fun, she was smashing our helmets and everything like we do our silly bit. And and here's what Jessica does not know. So in the pre-show meeting this morning, Orlovsky says, we got to pitch her one of these helmets and let her hit it with a bat, not sitting stagnant on the table. But we got to pitch her a ball and let her hit it. And I got up in the meeting and I said, we cannot do that. We cannot put her on the, on the, on the, on the line like that. Like, that's a tiny little helmet. It's like the size of a ping pong ball. She's swinging this big, heavy bat. She might miss. And if she misses, it's going to look terrible. It's going to, she's going to, it's going to look bad for her. She's going to look bad. It's going to be awful. We cannot do this. As far as I was concerned, we walked out of the meeting not doing it, right, Hembo? That's I mean, correct. We were not I doing it. I produced a segment. We were not doing it. And then we walk over there, and live, because this is what he does, Orlovsky says, let's pitch her one. <laughs> and, and everybody loves it. So the next thing I know, they're moving around furniture, tables, everything else. <laughs> and Dan Orlovsky just, just sort of chucks in her general direction a little helmet, like smaller than a golf ball. And with one swing, one baseball bat, just obliterated it. I mean, crushed it. It was so good. It was ridiculous. Take me through this experience, Jess, <laughs> if you will. Because, I mean, look, I actually had your stats up here. In, in, two, in, in 04 and 08, playing for Team USA, I think she slugged about 800. She's a video game. Yeah. So you obviously have had some great experiences. 
Where would you describe this one in the ranks of, of like, pressure that you have faced? <laughs> she has and, an Olympic gold medal. And the, a two-time, if you would, please. Can I just tell you that this is why I love Get Up? Yeah. And I'm not trying. No, no, no. But just the fact that, like, you don't know what's going to happen. We've got mallets. We've got a bat. I don't even know. Dan's like, I'm going to throw this baby helmet at you. And I'm not going to lie, Greeny. I was like, what if I miss it? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the same thing. I'm like, I've got a wooden bat. I'm in high heels. Like, I, I've got this little tiny thing and you know I don't know does it catch wind does it move like wiffle balls like I'm like the the perfectionist in me that wants to protect women on television in general especially athletes is like no I have to obliterate this thing otherwise I look like it any it's like why is a woman swinging a bat on a tv show right so I did I felt some pressure that's actually why I took the first pitch because it was nowhere near me I saw that she did she (laughs) took Danny's first pitch well it was it was literally it was a terrible pitch it was like Jose Altuve couldn't have hit that pitch even though you did me a great video this morning of how he's hitting pitches nine inches off the ground and three and a half feet off the ground and well I promise we're going to get to the baseball in a second but I am still so I'm glad you shared that with me because I was genuinely scared for That's exactly that reason. Love about you. It's just going to look terrible for you yeah. if that happens. Yeah. And Hembo has been making fun of me all since I said that. He's like, "What are you kidding? If you did that a hundred times, she would hit it a hundred yes. times." Babe yeah. Ruth is the is the no. Jess Mendoza of baseball. No. There was right. uh, so you're going to go a hundred for a hundred if I someone throws that. you. But if you pitched Babe Ruth a little tiny ping pong ball in a in a television studio and he was wearing high heels, <laughs> <laughs> which parenthetically would be hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't know that he would hit. I really don't know that. I think you're right. No, I, mean, I think right, you're right. I mean, I, that's what I mean. I did not want to do it. We walked out of that meeting not doing it. We did. You were going to hit, you were going to take the bat, and you were going to hit it on the table, yes. which I was confident you would be able to do. Yes, a non-moving pitch. No, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to lie. I was freaking nervous. Yeah. And I felt a <laughs> ton of too. pressure, which is why, like, when I hit it, it felt like I was at the Olympics. It was a bomb. Like, it was like, a bomb. hallelujah. It was. It still hasn't come down. Uh, that helmet just landed in Schenectady. So anyway, that was great fun. Let's get to some baseball here uh, with the, the great Jessica Mendoza in. Uh, and Hembo is just becoming increasingly difficult to live with. But we have a situation now. So Hembo lives to point out how great the Philly fans have been. He's not happy just saying, have you watched the games? It's like watching an SEC football game he going on. He said Mike on. Trout wants to play in Philly yesterday. He, he actually <laughs> said that yesterday. I believe that with my whole heart. Uh, once again, this is a man who last year proclaimed the World Series over when the Astro, uh, the uh, Phillies went up 2-1. to one. I don't think they scored did, another run in out? the series. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They, they got right. no hit in the next game. Yeah. I, I still don't think they scored a run in that. Anyway. Don't talk this, this mm. October. Yeah. So, yeah. so what was the get-in price for game two in Philly? A $300 for standing room only for one ticket what is the get-in price in arizona today it's 13 dollars. okay that's chase so we have this idea so cam hashtag cam who's back in our studio in bristol who runs our the board for us is also a philly fan and we had this idea that we will send it would be cheaper for us to buy him a plane ticket to arizona (laughs) and buy him a 13 dollar ticket and have him attend the game that's actually accurate then it would be to send him to the game in philadelphia but wait till you hear this (laughs) Cam, explain to her why you cannot go to this game to see your beloved Phillies play in the league championship series. Well, to be clear, this is the first time hearing that the plane would also be comped, so I'm happy to hear that. That it sweetens the deal a little bit. Uh, let's talk about hotels next. Uh, but I got a, you know, I got a big birthday bash to go to this weekend at Chicago Sam's and Cromwell. I don't know if I can be in Arizona when that's happening. Wow. He, he is going. Wow. He is going to the birthday of a 29 year old male colleague. At a place called Supposed Chicago colleague. Sam's. Yeah. Who, who, parenthetically. I've never seen him before. No, his, name, his name is Eric. 
We think he's making him up. We've never seen him before. You spoke to him yesterday. No, we spoke to a person yesterday who you described as Eric, but when we asked you to bring Eric in for this segment, all of a sudden he's nowhere to be found. We all have imaginary friends. <laughs> I, I actually the existence of Eric. Yeah, I actually did have two imaginary friends when I was a kid. See? So this is the same this lineage here. Like the same, yeah. What? Anyway, so we we are we are disgusted with Cam. By the way, program. the uh, just to say, the seats for Saturday they're up to thirty five dollars on Vivid Seats on, for so, Saturday. Yeah, those are all the Philly fans. You know, th- those are the fans yeah, who can't price. get out of Philadelphia. So it's, it's sky high up to thirty five dollars. They're all going there for Game Five to watch the closeout and all the mm-hmm. rest. Of it. I do talk- think I do think there's something to be said of the fact that Philly fans last year, not that they weren't there, but the tickets weren't as high because they hadn't been good throughout the season, and that is Arizona, but everyone knows now if you're a Philly fan, like just get them to October. They're going to do well. The, it, the fans in Arizona don't know that. Like they were good for two months and then they really weren't. And, and so they're, they're, you know, will they, will they sweat in this series? They've got, they go to game three. That's the early game today, right? It is yeah. five o'clock. Mm-hmm. All the, every pitch here on ESPN radio, as always, they're up two games to none. They have basically not broken a sweat in this series. They barely broke a sweat in the Atlanta series, despite losing a game. Will they break a sweat? In this LCS, no, and the reason is, is you got Brandon Fott as the starting pitcher for the Diamondbacks against Ranger Suarez, and then you get to Game Four, which is most likely going to be a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. And you know, as much as we like to talk about bullpen arms, when you're in the middle of those three games that they want to play, and now you're going bullpen game. I mean, the Phillies' offense hit Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. That's ace one, ace two. Mm. That's a starting pitcher for the all-star game in the National <laughs> League. And now you've got Brandon Fott and you have a bullpen game. I just, I mean, we've seen what the Phillies offense can do against great pitching. It's only going to be even more the next two games. She's 100% right. The Diamondbacks' clearest path to having any chance in the series would be Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly at least at minimum splitting. But those were their best shots. And the Phillies' left-handed hitters mash righties and Brandon Fott's a righty. And so far uh, in the postseason, the Phillies have outscored their opponent 46-13. to 13, And the guy they're going to see today is probably the worst starting pitcher that they've faced so far. I don't know that it will be a sweep, but I don't know that we're going back to Philly for game six. Okay, so we've got that. And then on the other side, the Astros, as they always seem to, finding a way yesterday. And as he always seems to be, Jose Altuve, right in the middle of it. And you made me think about something on TV today, Jess. He's hit how many postseason home runs now? 20, 25. 25. Do you think that... The, all the controversy that surrounded the Astros and all the garbage cans and all that, has that impacted the way he is perceived? Because if you just took his career, yeah. like, and I turn to Hembo always on these things, like, what would we be saying about him if none of that had happened? That he's the best second baseman since Joe Morgan. Literally, that's how good a player and he is. And do people say that now? Like, Not is, really. Is, right? Not I, really. I feel like that has, has, has stained him and them to and some I degree. And I hate that. And, and first of all, he's such a freaking awesome example of baseball because he's five foot four, five foot five. I tell kids all the time the beauty of baseball is you can be Aaron Judge and you can be mm. Jose Altuve. And so you see his success. You see he's one of the greatest postseason players ever. And I love the size. And yet everyone comes back to the shirt and the jersey and the cheating. And that is forever, I feel like, his legacy until everyone finally moves on and understands that he is a freaking amazing hitter, regardless of the history. And that's something that it it makes me sad just because Jose Altuve was talked about like that, even heading into 2017. And now it's all he's known for. Yeah, it is sad. Uh, Very quickly, because I'm running out of time. Who's going to win that series? I mean, the Rangers, but I... They are going to win the series. I think so, but I think the Astros have the advantage while they're on the road, 
it's it's really weird, but the Rangers have to get back to be able to Houston, huh. <laughs> like the yeah. flip side of this, because there is something real about Houston in Houston. I mean, it's, it's something you kind of talk about through the regular season. It's become even more real now in the postseason. I think the Rangers have the advantage. Phillies, Rangers, World Series, so says Jess. You are the best. Thank you. Let's do our yes. trivia question. What do you got, Hams? Which college has produced the most pro football Hall of Famers. Which college has produced the most pro football Hall of Famers? Back with the answer in a moment on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. So many different ways you can catch up with us here. You can watch our show on the ESPN app. Click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny. Enjoy. We hope that you will. No matter where you are, you can listen on the ESPN app. You can listen on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can watch our show on uh, the ESPN app, as I mentioned. You can listen to both hours as the Greeny podcast. It's available every day wherever you get your podcasts. And on social media, I am at ESPN Greeny with a Y on Twitter, on Instagram, and on threads. All right, here we go. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Himbo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? So today's question is pretty sneaky. I like it, Hembo, again. Which college has produced the most pro football Hall of Famers, and I want to just give one caveat. Yeah. There's actually a two-way tie at the top of this leaderboard. There are two schools that have produced 14 Pro Football Hall of Famers, so all you need to do is get one of the two right, and I'm going to count it. Okay. Juicy. He's given us twice the opportunity that we might normally have expected. Okay, uh, Bubba, you'll go first. All right. Um, A lot of options on the table. I don't think it's Fordham. I'm going to (laughs) go... University of Southern California. Oh, okay. Uh, yep, USC for one. There we go, Cam. Also, USC. I, I had USC and Ohio State both written down. Those to, it, uh, to me, I, and you said there were two of them. 
Just to be different, I'll go the other way. I will go Ohio State. So we got one, but two votes for USC and one vote for Ohio State. The, cor- the correct answers are Notre Dame and USC. Oh, damn yes. it. Yeah, baby. Damn <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Let's yes. 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 Damn it. Chicago, oh, excuse me, uh, Ohio State. Chicago is, Sam's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy thinking about Chicago Sam's. Ohio State is fourth with 10. After Michigan, they have 11. I was thinking Michigan, too, but thank God I went to USC. It's all the usual suspects. I should have thought of Notre Dame. I mean, back in the – I mean, historically, they had so many great players. For some reason, my mind didn't even get to them. I I thought of Michigan. I thought of Ohio State. I thought of Penn State because there was a a period there where they had so many great linebackers, but I don't think most of them wound up in the Hall of Fame. But USC, I thought of all the running backs, but then I I couldn't – damn it. All right, so uh, Cam, what are the scores? Don't pay any attention to the fact that I'm leading since I'm counting the scores, but I am 8-11. and 11. You and Bubba are 5-14. and 14. Mark Cuban and Dominique Foxworth are 0-1. Okay, fair enough. So that's a win uh, for those two guys and a loss for me. I, I want to get to something else here. We got this in on TV this morning, and the conversation went a couple of different directions, but I wanted to get it in today. Devontae Adams, who is a Hall of Fame NFL wide receiver, He'll be a Hall of Famer, to, to, to wit the For conversation sure. we just had. He went to Fresno State, if I'm not mistaken, right? He did. So I don't know how many of uh, Hall of Famers went to Fresno State, but he'll be one. And, and he's, he is undoubtedly one of the two or three best receivers in the sport even now. The only thing he's never done is win. He had the option of staying in Green Bay. He could have stayed there for every bit as much money as he got to leave to go to the Raiders. Now he's with the Raiders, and now he seems to be very unhappy with his targets, with the role that he's playing in the offense, despite the fact that the Raiders have been, in my view at least, something of a pleasant surprise so far. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've won back-to-back games, but Devontae has been somewhat demonstrative in his frustration on the field, and he said this. Y'all should know who I am, know what I'm about at this point, so it's not about when you're a player like me, mentally, my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to have that ability to put that on tape and have the, uh, an influence on the game. So, look, and I, I brought this up on the TV show, and I will admit that sometimes, you know, I can learn things on the TV show. Everyone on the panel but me felt that there was nothing wrong with this, that this is just a player who is so special saying not just that you need to get me the ball because I want my numbers, but if we don't get me the ball, then we are not giving ourselves the best chance to win. The fact that we have won back-to-back games notwithstanding – I was a little, and I remain a little uncomfortable with the players saying, my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. The object of the game is winning. And I get it. If your team is losing and you're not getting your targets, you're not getting your touches, if you haven't gotten your money especially, I can see that being frustrated because that's how you wind up getting paid. But Devontae's got the money. I don't have this in front of me, but I would guess he has made as much money as any receiver in the history of the sport. Matt, it's got to be close. Receivers have not always gotten the huge contracts that he got. So Devontae's gotten paid as much money. Do I have that right? Yeah, he's made $112 million, and by the end of this contract, he'll have made 202. I want to say that Larry Fitzgerald is the only one that's quite that much, but okay. yes, your, your point so is So we're right there. So, mm-hmm. so it's not about the money. He's made about as much money as any player at his position ever has. It's not about the stats because he's got those. He's going to the Hall of Fame for sure. So all that should be left, I would think, is winning. So I'm not criticizing as much as I'm just questioning The timing to say that when you've won consecutive games 
and you're playing a one and five Chicago team that is about to play this game this weekend, we think, without their starting quarterback, when you're on the verge of being four and three in, in a conference that suddenly isn't so good. Again, am I deluding myself or anyone, or do I think he should, that this is a Super Bowl team? No, of course not. But I don't know, Hembo, am I crazy, or is that a weird thing to say it, when your team is winning? It's a weird thing to say. I disagree with our entire get-up panel, and I agree with you. And I agree with you because of the numbers. So I have two I want to provide. The first of which is the Hall of Fame point that you made. The entire list of players to catch more touchdown passes through this stage of their career, he's 31 years old, is Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and Terrell Owens. So that, that's the kind of company that he's in. Yeah, he's that good. The notion that he's not being used as much as he should be, though, is completely unfounded. Tell me. I'm looking at his target share right now. Just the percentage of time his quarterback throws the ball to him. Very simple. In each of the last two years, his target share is above 30%. At no point during his entire career in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers was his target share 30%. Not one time. Really? Even though we felt like all Aaron ever did was throw the ball to Devontae? That's right. The most he had ever had is a tick below 30. He's being used more than he has ever been used before. So I don't exactly know what he's complaining about. So thus... I agree with you because if he's not happy with how much he's being used, the truth of the matter is you're being used way more now than you ever were before, even though I would not have expected that to be the case. Where were these stats when I was having this conversation this morning on Get Up? I could have used that for some fuel as I'm getting just whacked from left and right by Kimberly and by uh, Daywood and by Dan Orlovsky and by Harry Douglas giving me the business. I mean, imagine if those same words, because they did, come out of Terrell Owens' mouth. Like, we'd have talked about it on every show for yeah, a week. Yeah. Stefan Diggs gets, uh, you know, hammered for the stuff for he sure. does. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, th- I think it's something you could live without hearing from a receiver when his team is winning. Right, we continue in just a moment. Stay there. We're having some fun on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.